the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. Jonah had seen what the Assyrians had done to other people. You heard me talk about it before. These people were brutal to their slaves, to other people. He saw what, how the Assyrians' sin affected the impact it had on others. It hurt others. So the Assyrians are, are worthless, unworthy of God's grace and mercy because he could see what their sin did to others. But Jonah somehow or another thought his disobedience was less severe or egregious than the sin of the Assyrians. I can hear him now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but my disobedience didn't hurt anybody. Oh, I hear that all the time. How do you determine if what is sin or right and wrong? Well, well, if you don't hurt anybody, you know, it's your personal choice. But if it starts to hurt other people or, or a lot of people, then it's really sinful. But, but, but that thing you do in private that you think hurts nobody, for some reason that's, that's less of a sin than somebody who does something that affects a bunch of people. Think about it. He got on a boat. In disobedience, which nobody really knew till he shared that information with the crew, they all lived. I was willing to let them throw me overboard to keep them alive. But wait a minute. His sin was not against the guys on the boat. His sin was against God. And so was the sin of the Assyrians. But we tend to judge something we can see as hurting a bunch of people or hurting a family, or hurting a business. I can't believe. But both are uh, my sin. And that publicly more effective sin that affects public is still a sin against God. Somehow or another, Jonah thought there was a difference. That he deserved mercy and they didn't. To the point where he goes and sits outside the city and he gets angry about a bush, a tree, dying that God even says, you didn't even work for. You didn't even plant the thing. Okay? It came up and it went away. You had nothing to do with it. You think you could right to be angry about that, but you cared more about your shade, your comfort, than lost souls. I'm not even going to preach that. I think everybody can take that and soak it in a minute. 
But I want to take a few theological points, like I usually do, a theological points from this, because the point of this is to learn about God, not about Jonah. And then I'll show you some practical application, how we might be like Jonah, and more so than what I have said so far. So first thing we learn, and we've talked about this before, we learn about God is He is sovereign. He appointed a plant, a bug, and a wind. He's sovereign rule over nature in this case. We saw how he sovereignly rules over nations with the whole Assyrian thing. But he is sovereign ruler of all. We don't get to determine, therefore, which people God is merciful to and those who he is just to. And let me give you an example here. Uh, you're the governor of the state of Idaho. Okay, let's assume that. And, and, or even the president, typically when a president comes out of office, right, he paroles somebody. Typically, I don't know if you know that, but the president usually does that. Wait a minute, that ain't fair to all the people who had to stay in prison. Because of position you and I hold, we don't get to determine who gets paroled and who doesn't. Who gets justice and who gets mercy. Even in a natural sense, we recognize that the president has that right, but we don't, whether you like it or not. That much more with God gets to determine who gets justice and who gets mercy. I want you to understand, mercy is not necessarily contradictory to justice. I'll, we'll come back to that. Romans chapter 15. Okay, Barney, or excuse me. Romans chapter 9, verse 15 through 18. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, or God does then, for this very purpose I raised you up. What was Pharaoh raised up for? That I might show my power in you. Wait a minute. God's showing his power in a wicked, idolatrous Pharaoh? And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. In those few verses... God is referred to, either God or I or my or he, okay, 13 times in those three verses. What do you think the focus of those verses are? God. God saying, hey, mercy, whoever gets it, it's all about me. That's God. I'm not saying that. God's saying, I'm the one who gets to determine that you don't. It's not by human will or the word run works. It's not by human works. God's the one in his sovereignty, gets to determine who receives mercy and who doesn't. The other thing we learn is God is omniscient. Now, wait a minute. Where does it say that? Well, weeks ago, we already went through that whole process that God already knew everything. God knew where Jonah was. You can't run from him and so on. But I want you to understand that God's knowledge, omniscient means all-knowing, God's knowledge is infinite. It can't be otherwise because God is not made up of parts. 
It's called the doctrine of the simplicity of God. Simplicity in this sense. One. He's not a bunch of parts and pieces put together to make God. He is all of them completely and totally. So God is infinite, therefore his knowledge is infinite. Therefore his love and mercy is infinite. Therefore his judgment is infinite. But God's knowledge is infinite. It knows no end. There's not something that God doesn't know. God's knowledge is not restricted by time. God is eternal, outside of time, and his knowledge is therefore. So when God sends Jonah, before God sends Jonah, does he know what Nineveh will do? Does he know what Jonah will do? Yep. No, I didn't say God acted in response to what he knew they would do. Notice I didn't do that. God is also non-contingent. It's called the doctrine of the saity of God. Okay, But, but he's non-contingent and his actions come from his nature, so therefore his actions are non-contingent. But you cannot dismiss his actions from the fact he's also omniscient. You can't say he makes the decision without knowing. You can't do that. He makes the determination knowing. But that knowing doesn't cause him to determine it. I know that's a little, some of you got that look and you're, okay, pastor, I, I'm lost. Okay? But God's knowledge is also perfect. That means there's no mistakes, no errors in what he knows. He doesn't know something that is false. He only knows that which is. What is interesting is, just because Jonah knew the character and nature of God, he knew what was going to happen in Nineveh. He says, I know you're great. That's why I didn't want to come here, because I know you. You know, I think sometimes when we're seeking, well, God, what do you want? What are you going to do, God? I would suggest if you got to know who God is, you might have an answer to that. And Jonah has it right from God's word, Old Testament. He knew what God would do based upon the character and nature of God. God already knows and is sovereign. Okay, God has ordained all things. People have a trouble with this one. He, that includes Jonah's preaching and Nineveh's response. For God works all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. All things come in alignment with God's purpose, plan, and will. Now, we already talked about this, that God had given a word through Jonah to the king of Israel, saying he was going to expand their borders. But to do that, he had to take the world power, the Assyrians, whose capital is in Nineveh. He had to hold them back so that a lesser army of Israel could get this land back because of God's promise and his compassion upon Israel. So his compassion and love for Israel manifest in compassion and mercy to Assyria so he can fulfill the word he gave. See, this ain't just about Nineveh. This is about God's plan, purpose, and will. Okay? Isaiah 46, 9b through 10. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. There's another scripture showing that God's outside of time. From ancient times, the things which have not 
been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. If God wants somebody president, if God wants somebody king, no vote of the people is going to change that. I thought I'll just leave that. Since God is sovereign, since God is omniscient, since God has ordained all things, that means God moved in the heart of the king and the people of Nineveh. It wasn't just the king of Nineveh and the people got smart all of a sudden in their own physical, natural intellect. Proverbs 21 and 1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Wait a minute. Therefore, the king of Nineveh called everybody to repent, remember, and fast, even the animals. And That's because God told, steered his heart that way like water in a canal. God granted repentance to the people of Nineveh. Where do you get that, preacher? Well, it's right in Scripture. God grants repentance. Acts 5.31, 11.18, 16.14, and 2 Timothy 2 and 25. God grants belief or believing, faith. Philippians 1 and 29. Now, there are some who would say that the granting of repentance and forgiveness is simply God offering the opportunity to repent and the opportunity to believe. Well, here's why i got to say that but to that. God appoints people to believe, Acts 13 and 18. Wait a minute. Did you hear the word? God appoints people to believe. Let's go back. God appointed a bush. Did the bush have an option? God appointed a bug. Did the bug have an option? God appointed an east wind. Did he just give the opportunity for their win? No, no, no. Wait a minute. God appoints people to believe. Oh, that'll mess with some folk. God chooses us, the believer, the Christian, his children, before the creation, before creation for salvation. Ephesians 1 and 4, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. God causes us to be born again. That's not an opportunity, folks. The word causes isn't the same as the word opportunity. In 1 Peter 1 and 13, by an act of his will, not our will, John 1, 12, that would be 1 John 1, 12 and 13, and Ephesians 1, 11. God chooses who will be holy and blameless. Again, Ephesians 1, 4. God calls according to his purpose, 2 Timothy 1, 9. He predestines us for salvations, Romans 8, 29 and 30, and adoption, Ephesians 1, 5, according to his purpose, Ephesians 1, 11. Where are you in that? I will have mercy, God says, on whom I have mercy. Where are you in that? There in Ephesians, I have chosen you, you have not chosen me. Is that clear enough? But, but wait a minute, I, I, I remember when I chose to believe, yeah, I know. But your wicked heart was transformed so God, by God, so you can believe. So you can repent. We're not going through that anymore. God, you can't disconnect that though from God's omniscience. 
God knows everyone's response to the gospel because he chooses who will respond. Please put that in the right order. God doesn't look forward in time and say, my action to save you is contingent on you. Then I would be a contingent God if God was saying that. He is non-contingent. God chooses you. That's why you will in the future, before time began, you will choose him. I know that messes with a lot of folk. Great preacher, how does this all apply to me? Well, we look at God, but we look at Jonah and see some things how we are like Jonah. We often get upset when God is merciful and allows the sinner to prosper. It's, it's in Psalms, it's in Job. Wait a minute, wait a wait a minute. Especially if that sinner's sin is like the Assyrians. It affected a bunch of people. It hurt a bunch of people. And God allows the sinner to prosper? That tends to bother us a little bit. Let me give you an example. There's a part of the world where they don't worship God of the Bible. They worship one they call Allah. They rich because of oil. They drive Bentleys and live in fancy houses. How can God let those... Wait a minute. Has Islam, in its general sense, done wicked things on the earth to a lot of people? Yeah. Then how can God let those who believe are Islamic... I'm not... I don't know if I like that. Let's just nuke them and turn it into a sea, glassy sea, right? Let's just, I hear that. Hello, Jonah. We often get upset when God acts justly and punishes those who we think deserve mercy. And I will give you an example. Well, if your God's all loving and all kind, how do you have everybody killed in Jericho? Or when the people of Israel came in. Or Sodom and Gomorrah, there were children and babies, right? So we get upset when God doesn't punish, we think those who do need punished. And then we get upset because God punishes those who deserve punishment. Oh no, little babies don't deserve punishment. I understand what you mean, but I'll, I'll give you another sermon. I believe, I believe God sovereignly elects children. So if one does die in a car accident, they're in his eternal presence. I wouldn't call that judgment. And we're not breaking that all down. John MacArthur has a great book on that. Okay? But, but our idea is, for some reason, people are born not sinners. That is, in their nature, depraved. Doesn't take you long when you have youngins, little ones, children, okay, to find out they're the most selfish people you have ever met. Is selfishness in? Yeah. It is in us. But, but we get mad on one side, and we get upset on the other side. We want to make an accusation against God when the sinner prospers, and we want to make an accusation against God when he judges. We're like Jonah in that sense. We're like Jonah in the sense that we want mercy when we sin. But justice, when you sin, especially if that other person hurt me. We want mercy, man, when we've messed it up and we've sinned, but that person hurt me, so go get him, God. We do it. 
like Jonah, we tend to underestimate our sin and overestimate the sin of others. We don't see our sin as hurting anybody. Our anger in the traffic, our vain imaginations where they go. That shouldn't be spiritual praise, that should be spiritual pride. Is prevented, though, when we recognize that our repentance, I don't think it's stated right up there, our repentance, our belief is totally God's work. The only reason I believe, the only reason I repented is because God, in his infinite wisdom, chose me to do so. No man comes to the Father. Wait a minute. So does God draw everybody? Oh, come for a Wednesday night. We'll talk about that. Is it universal atonement? Or is it particular atonement? We, well, again, Wednesday night. But see, when we recognize that I was saved because of God's sovereign act out of His mercy with His grace, when I see the other person who comes under God's mercy and God's grace... Or when I see the person who doesn't and they're living in wickedness, recognize this. I didn't get to where I was by me. It wasn't me. I'm like them without the work of Christ. This is the work of God that you believe. Oh. So in other words, I'm just like them if it wasn't for God. That keeps us from spiritual arrogance. Okay, wait a minute. The wicked are the wicked because they were born that way and God left them that way. But likewise, those who are redeemed are redeemed because of the work of God and Christ. Not because you were so much smarter. You went to the evangelist meeting with your friend and you received and he didn't or she didn't. Why? Because you're smarter than your friend? Because there's some in you that can recognize God and he can't? Well, he rejected God. Well, why? Because even you couldn't believe and receive until God moves in you. Oh. Well, then I guess I better not judge my friend there. Apparently, God didn't wake him up to it at that point. Do I stop praying? No. Because I, like Jonah... I know God is merciful and graceful, but I'm not sure to whom he's going to be merciful and graceful. So I just go and preach and let God take care of the rest. That's one other thing, that understanding that God is the one who works in us for salvation, for repentance, is this. All i got to do is preach. I'm not responsible for the results. I think many people don't evangelize because they think, well, I've tried, and not one person's ever gave their heart to Jesus Christ, but it ain't your job. It's your task to share Christ. It's God's job to do the saving. What do you learn about God in this? What do you learn about yourself? Maybe I need to repent when I see the wicked prosper. Maybe I need to repent when I think God isn't fair by saving that guy. You know how many people, what that guy, we really have a hard time when the Ted Bundys of the world come to Christ. You guys know who Ted Bundy was. I'm not describing that, but um, 
focus on the family guy. James Dobson, you met with him in prison. And according to James Dobson, Ted Bundy gave his heart to Christ. I don't like that idea. Boy, that guy need, get, needs to get what he deserves. Serial killer. God, forgive me when I think like that. God, forgive me when I place my personal comfort over your mercy and grace to the lost. That comes in all kinds of forms. God, help me not for some reason to think my sin is less than somebody else's. When David sinned and committed murder and adultery, here's his response. I have sinned against God. Compare that to Saul, who simply didn't kill the sheep and the wicked king that God told him to. He gets all religious. Well, I saved the sheepies to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. I'm religious. What a difference. David recognized his sin was against God. And there's, you know, the story of those two fellows. So I ask you, I challenge you today, check your heart. You look at Jonah and, and you almost, want, can you believe that? Look at that guy, how stupid. Uh, turn that finger right around. Because when you do that, you're doing exactly what Jonah did. Ask yourself, do you rejoice when you see God's mercy and grace? Even if it's to the unbeliever, called common grace, or to the believer. Do you rejoice in that? Or does it bother you? Let's stand. Father, I thank you that in your word we discover who you are. God, most of us here listening to this or from other media listen to this, we know your mercy and grace. But God, our flesh so often gets in the way. I pray, O oh God, that you help us to see the Ninevites of our life worthy as much as we are anyway of your mercy and grace. Let us rejoice whenever we see it. And Father, help us to recognize that the fact that we stand here today as believers in Christ, it is your work. And we trust your sovereignty and omniscience, O Lord. And we rejoice in it. To the glory of your name. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.